Welcome to Voices from the Cathedral, a podcast that brings you sermons, discussions, and other performances from the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. On Sunday, September 9th, the Reverend Deacon Kent Curtis preached on the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, Proper 18, Year B. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. This passage from Mark's Gospel is one of my favorite stories, and yet at the same time it's one with which I struggle. The struggle for me, at least, comes in the first story, the story about the woman and her desperate plea to Jesus on behalf of her daughter leaves me with one question. Why does Jesus respond to her in that way? It seems so unlike him. In that time and place, women did not approach men in such courageous ways. And yet ultimately, despite how Jesus seemed unlike himself, And despite the religious, gender, and cultural differences he had with the woman, he ended up lovingly and certainly more characteristically responding to her desperation and responding to her faith in him. And Jesus rewarded her for that. My favorite part of the story, as you may have guessed, is the second miracle, the story about Jesus healing the man who is deaf and mute. In this story, I think we so vividly find the intersection of Jesus's humanity and divinity. Mark's gospel says that Jesus spat, something my terribly proper grandmother always forbid. But in this story, it becomes an emblem of our shared humanity. We all have childhood memories, and most definitely they run the gamut from joyful to painful. One of my memories, speaking of spit, perhaps shared by some in this room, is both funny and a little odd. As a small child while eating, I would occasionally end up with food smudges on my face. What kid doesn't? And much to my dismay, this always resulted in my mother or one of my grandmothers licking their fingers or a tissue to wash the smudges from my face. Anybody relate to that? I found myself doing this with my one niece and two nephews when they were children to always the predictable ick, ick. But the universality of this, as I've observed countless times in adulthood, I think speaks to how we use our incarnation. We use all that we have to nurture. Bear with me, but I think it is profound that this miracle includes spit. And I don't think it's inconsequential or just a minor detail of the story. Jesus uses his humanity in healing as the Messiah. Human spittle to heal with his divine hands. In healing 
the man who is deaf and mute, we not only witness a miracle, but we find a rich metaphor about how God opens our ears to hear and restores our voices to speak when we often cannot, to speak as the body of Christ and to act as the body of Christ, to find ways in which we can use our open ears to listen for those moments that God calls us to action, to speak with the hope of always following in the footsteps of Jesus, to speak prophetically and to act boldly. You see, the deaf man represents us, each and every one of us. And this miracle of healing reaches through history to touch each and every one of us. When we look at our world today, there is much to absorb, much to hear, sometimes too much, much to speak, but where do we begin? We watch the news often with our mouths agape. On Thursday and Friday of this past week, I attended a training in what is called Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, PTSD. Now, there are clearly degrees of trauma, from severe, profound, and even violent. Trauma in need of skilled clinical intervention for those who've experienced it. Then there are, I was told, what might be called daily micro-traumas, experienced by most of us. Sometimes we're shocked, we're verbally assaulted, we witness something even in the subway that we can't believe we're witnessing. And we live in a rapid 24-hour news cycle that can contain so much information it becomes difficult to process. I have an aunt who's a retired political science professor and a news junkie, and she thought she would spend a lot of time watching the news that she didn't have time for when she was teaching. And now she says to me so often, I cannot watch it. I can read it, but I cannot watch it. There seems to be so much bad news that we can feel like we're living in a perpetual sky is falling world. But as always, the good news is that our faith can be and will be if we allow it our solace and our guide. A guilty escape pleasure of mine is watching old movies, movies that have faith as either an implicit or an explicit theme. Just to name a few, think the Song of Bernadette, the Lilies of the Field, the Robe, the Assisi Underground. I recommend them all. Yes, sometimes they're schmaltzy, melodramatic, and sentimental, but they're also inspired. One of my favorite movies of that genre is entitled The Cardinal. It's the story of a young Roman Catholic priest. He was pious and rigid and steeped in dogma, a bit of a careerist 
at the very outset of his career. But his life would be transformed by bearing witness to atrocities. His ears would be opened and his tongue set free. First, he would be sent to the 1930s Southern United States to assist an African-American priest who was being harassed by the town and the Ku Klux Klan. He observed in that movie firsthand the depravity of violent racism as along with the other young priest who was the pastor of the parish, this priest too was whipped and beaten by the Klan. That event led him to insist and implore that the Vatican do more to help fund and to actively protect fledgling African-American parishes in the South. Then the young priest whose character's name was Stephen Firmoil was sent as a Vatican envoy to Austria to then implore the head of the Roman Catholic Church in Vienna not to endorse Hitler for election from the pulpit. His request was denied and he barely escaped Vienna without being captured by the Nazis. These events, as you can see as the movie unfolds, help him step away from his false piety and his rigidity and allowed him to become a very different cardinal, a very different priest than he might have been. Those experiences formed him, imbued him with a holy humility. In them, he met Jesus amongst the horror. Just as Jesus opened the ears of the deaf man to hear physical sound, he opens our ears to hear the gospel message. And as we watch so much unfold in our world, we have gospel work we need to do. When there is outrage, some might say manufactured, but outrage nonetheless, because an African-American athlete exercises his First Amendment right, but yet all too little reaction when the leader of our country reserves the derisive term low IQ for only his critics of color. Friends, we have work to do. When the White House hosts a dinner for the religious right, as was the case just two weeks ago, some of those leaders in that movement invited to the White House, wined and dined, actually unabashedly call for the extermination of LGBTQ persons and many work to rekindle anti-Semitism to a new level we haven't seen in our country. We have some Jesus work to do. When people are harassed and victimized because of gender or gender identity, we have some justice work to do. I really am trying not to be nakedly political, but rather trying to discern how we can best follow in the prophetic footsteps 
of all the saints in light, many of whom died for what they believed was the pursuit of justice and a better world. We can stand on their shoulders to walk with Jesus and share his transformational love, to be willing vessels of an ongoing reformation and recreation. I believe that the pursuit of justice is Jesus' work. I take very seriously my ordination vow as a deacon to quote, interpret to the church the needs, concerns, and hopes of the world. I might fail at that sometimes miserably, but I do try. It is my prayer that God will continue to open our ears to hear his call, continue to call us to action, to continue to bless us, to animate his mission and live in his love, to herald his message of justice, peace, and grace. And not only to herald that message, but to live it and act on it and lead others on that same great journey. Amen. Thanks for listening to Voices from the Cathedral. The Cathedral of St. John the Divine is the Cathedral of the Episcopal Diocese of New York. It is chartered as a house of prayer for all people and a unifying center of intellectual light and leadership. People from many faiths and communities gather here to worship together, provide meals for the hungry, educate our youth, and host concerts, exhibitions, performances, and civic gatherings. You can find us online at stjohndivine.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at stjohndivineNYC. That's S-T-J-O-H-N-N-Y-C. Check back soon for another episode.